I want to talk to you today about eternity. I'm going to talk to you about the importance of something that most of us never want to talk about. It gets talked about a lot at funerals. Um, I just found out, for those of you that have been around here any, any length of time, Harvey and Lynn Murray, former elders here at Lighthouse, Harvey's mom, Eleanor Wiesenberg, passed away a couple days ago, 97 years old. And so, you know, we, we celebrate, you know, especially a person having a long life and everything. But I've done funerals for older people and I've done funerals for younger people. And, and, and you know, if it's a younger person, everybody says, we thought we, 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 we thought we would have more time. We thought we would have more time. You know, we didn't expect. It wasn't expected. And yet the Bible says it's appointed unto man wants to die. So we all know that none of us gets out of here alive <laughs> lest the rapture take place. And I'm, I'm voting for that, okay? If, if I got to vote, I'm going to go, I want to go up without, uh, without an airplane. <laughs> and I want Holly right there with me. I'm going to say, you know, hey, that's, that's if I got to vote, I don't know if I get a vote, right? But anyway, that, that's the reality for that. And, uh, and, and yet the Bible says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. That, that part of the nature and the character of God is that you and I are eternal beings. We're, we are not just what we see with our eyes and hear with our ears and can touch with our hands. What we see is only a fraction of what there is. And so eternity is a very, 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 a million more varies long time. And I want to talk to you today about the interaction between our temporal selves and our eternal selves. Now, that sounds a little complicated, and, uh, and it is. It kind of defies, or it beats our understanding. But I think with a little illustration and getting into the scriptures, that uh, I, can, I can help you to come to terms with, with some of that in a minute. Let me, uh, speaking of scripture, let's get into the scripture. Um, in Hebrews chapter 4, this is, I did Pastor Daniel's homework. He said, somebody needs to read Hebrews chapter 4. Well, I started getting there and and I found myself a sermon. So Hebrews chapter four, verse nine, this is, I'm gonna do the NIV and the message translation. Would you read it out loud with me right there? You probably have it in your notes, or if not, it's on you version right there. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Same, same verses, but in a different translation. The promise of arrival and rest is still there for God's people. God himself is at rest, and the end of the journey will surely rest with God. So let's keep at it and eventually arrive at the place of rest, not drop out through some sort of disobedience. Now I'm going to read to you Exodus chapter 20. This is uh, uh, this is the the first time that we hear about Sabbath here in uh, in Exodus chapter 20 verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your manservant or maidservant. Anybody got any maidservants around? Anyway, um, nor your animals nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, 
uh, I, I had told Holly this, and, and uh, you know, as we talk about this issue of Sabbath, it's probably one of the most hotly debated and contested issues that there is in the body of Christ. It, it, it goes in waves. You know, things will settle out for a while, and then all of a sudden somebody's like, yeah, but you know, it's really Saturday. And for the Jews, it was Saturday, or I should say it is. For Christians, we celebrate the Lord's Day because everything that happened in the Christian calendar happened on the first day of the week, and that's Sunday. So the resurrection is on Sunday. Uh, you know, every major event uh, happens in the Christian calendar on Sunday. So, uh, so the Jews celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday. Christian worship is on Sunday. I ain't got any problem with it. I just let it all settle out. But a lot of people get bent out of shape about, you know. Uh, how many of you have ever read that verse in the Bible? It says, the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life, right? And, and so there's a lot of things about Sabbath, and then, and then you run into dietary things, all that kind of stuff. Uh, here's here's what, what I want to do. I want to try to condense some of that, that thinking. I'm not saying it's not worth uh, battling over, thinking through, you need to get there yourself. Um, but uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach it to you the way I understand it. Um, Sabbath is the interaction between you as a, a living, breathing human being, touch you, feel you, and the fact that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that your, your body is the dwelling place of God. We don't go to the temple in Jerusalem now. There isn't one. There's a, there's a, a western wall that you can pray at, but there's no temple there. There's no tabernacle there. You don't go somewhere to get to the presence of God because the presence of God is within you. It's within you. So when we think in terms of Sabbath, a lot of the rules uh, pertaining to Sabbath went away, but the principle of Sabbath abides still. And this is what we just read in Hebrews chapter four, that it's not about those rules, it's about a Sabbath rest that's, that's available for you and I. We just read it in Hebrews four. There exists a rest, a, a place in God, where you and I can abide with him, where we can rest with him. And it's the place where the temporal or the temporary and the eternal come together. And as they come together, you receive from the Lord. You get refreshed. You get encouraged. You get strengthened. The, 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 uh, the creativity in your life gets renewed. You know, it, it's all of those things. And a lot of times, one of the things that, you know, our world will talk about rest. It'll talk about vacations. It'll talk about all the externals, but they don't know how to get to the internal thing that you and I have as believers. And so the reason I want to talk about this today is so we can really get down to that principle and hopefully, hopefully, hear this with all the love I can muster, you won't be too stubborn to receive it. Sometimes when I preach with passion, people think I'm mad. I learned a long time ago Ephesians 6 is right. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But I do get mad. I do get mad at stubborn. I do get mad at lazy. I do get mad at procrastination. I do get mad at workaholism. I do get mad at lust. 
I do get mad at greed. And so somewhere in the message, if you hear a message today and you hear some passion, don't think I'm mad at you. Touch your neighbor and say, he's not mad at you. Okay. All right. Fair warning. Here's something I want you to understand. This, uh, this rope I have here today, this is my illustration for eternity. And I can't even stretch it all out. And this little orange flag, can you see me? This little orange flag represents your life. 70 or 80 years, we got the energy. If you're Eleanor Wiesenberg, you got 97. What a dear lady. This is your life. This is eternity. You spend your life worried about this, but this is in the heart of every human being on the planet. Every person that you will ever meet is going to spend eternity somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. It's already, those places are already in place. But the choices you make here determine where you spend this. You know, uh, let me quote Gladiator. The things that we do in this life echo for eternity. Are you tracking with me? So let me talk to you about what can happen here for you. And let me talk to you about what God has made available to you. Now I'm gonna ask you to do something and I want you to just trust me. I got a lot of scriptures. All of those scriptures, that list of scriptures that, that are there, I want you to hear the word of the Lord. So I want you to get yourself comfortable um, and I want you to just close your eyes and hear the word of the Lord. I want it to wash over you. I don't want you to be distracted. And, and so I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna read the addresses to the text because they're all right there in your, in your notes, but I, I just want you to understand how God underscores eternity in his word. Hebrews chapter five, verse nine is the only verse I'm gonna Mention the address and I'll go from there. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. John 3.16, I said I wasn't gonna do it and there I did. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life but whoever rejects the son will not see life for God's wrath remains on him. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. 
The one who sows to his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. When you and I got born again, when we said yes to Jesus, eternal life came on the inside of us in that moment. The light switch came on, click, and the Holy Spirit took up residence on the inside of you, and you may not look any different than you did five minutes before that, but, re- the, but your reality shifted. Your reality and your end time destination shifted. You went, you passed from death over to life. You, you passed from hell over to heaven. All of that because of the person of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath and Jesus is where heaven kissed earth. And Jesus is where, uh, where eternity and, and time come together. It all comes together in the person of Jesus. He made all of that available for you and me. Isn't that good news? Isn't that beautiful? Not because we could do anything. He did it for all of mankind. He did it for the people that, uh, that couldn't afford their lunch. He did it for people that are wealthy. He did it for the broken. He did it for the, uh, for the strong. He did it for everybody. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Eternal life made available for you and I. What a deal. Think about it. This is all I've got. This is all you've got. This is all, life is so short and eternity is so long. And so when we come together in these moments and we talk about what what God's agenda is, what God's thoughts are, what God's plans are, what his designs are, man, pay attention. Don't, Don't listen to it like it's Fox News in the background or CNN in the background or some kind of entertainment thing. Don't put it on the same plane. I'm talking from the word of God here. If you want to ignore Pastor Ken, that's fine, but don't ignore what I'm saying. Are you tracking with me? You know, Jesus came on the scene and he talked about how that uh, John the Baptist came and, and boy, they didn't like John the Baptist and eventually they, they, they you know, they, they did him in. And then here's Jesus and Jesus gets up and he addresses the same crowd that heard John's message and he said, we played a, a dirge for you and you didn't mourn. We played a flute for you and you didn't dance. What will it take for us to not be so stubborn that we can't respond to God? Why are we so committed to being unimpressed? Is it because we have access to information from around the world? Information from around the world is on the road to destruction. You need revelation from God. You need a revelation on the inside of your heart. You need some discernment that comes from the person of the Holy Spirit. You need what God can put in your life, and you need to reach out to him by faith to get it. You can't just get it by sitting there and say, I think I'm just going to be you know, committed to being passively non-involved. 
Because the writer of Hebrews said, the opportunity for rest is there, but you better make every effort to enter into it. Because if you don't make the effort to enter into it, you're gonna fall by your disobedience. Let me break down why that's so. Uh, in your notes, part of this is a review. Uh, you know, some of you know this, but let's not trip over it. Number one, believe in Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. You know, anything to do with Sabbath without Jesus is just a vacation. It's just a day off. It's just, you, your physical body might need rest, but only Jesus gives you rest for your soul. Only Jesus allows you to be the created while he's the creator. And you can just shift into that mode and you can allow God to restore you on the inside. Jesus is the only way that that, that happens. It doesn't happen any other way. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will what? Give you rest. But we gotta come to him. And if we don't come to him, there is nothing he can do to help us. That Valium's not gonna help you. That bottle's not gonna help you. That trip to the beach isn't gonna help you. Sounds pretty good right about now, though, doesn't it? None of that stuff will help you. Why? Because Jesus refreshes from the inside out. Anything else we do is from the outside in. And so when we respond to the Lord of the Sabbath, he's the one that renews us on the inside. He's the one that puts real humanity back into us. I, you know, when you look at this in the scriptures and you look at God, you know, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the, the triune God, and then you look at the fact that God made us, we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body, um, that a person who isn't born again is really less human than God's intent. I mean, I'm not saying they're zombies, but they're walking around dead. Right? Biblical definition. That's the, that's the outline. Because they don't have Zoe life. The Zoe life of God is not on the inside. You and I were there. You might still be there if you haven't believed in Jesus. You, you don't know what he can do. You, you're trying to calculate what it might look like for you to be a Christian, but you are missing the most important, uh, important part of the formula, the life of God. I didn't count on the life of God. I didn't know that God really knew me. I, didn't, I couldn't comprehend that until I said yes to Jesus. And when I said yes to Jesus, man, the lights came on, right? So you gotta trust in the, the Lord of the Sabbath. Number two, obey what he commands. Jesus is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. He commands our time and he calls us into rest. I want you to think about this. The Jews were God's people from the time they came out of Egypt. And the first thing that God did was establish their calendar for them. He said, these are, the day, these are the things you're supposed to do. This is the first day of the first month that's in your calendar. They, they lived before under the Egyptian calendar, which was centered around all of Egypt's gods. So God whipped up on all of Egypt's gods, all those idols. He crushed them. And then when he brought his people out, he gave them their own calendar because their calendar is what they were going to 
create the tapestry of their lives on. And he, he established rest immediately in the lives of the people so that the people would go for certain periods of time and, and rest was built into their structure. Rest was built into what they do. You know, probably the closest picture we have of that in the corporate world is Chick-fil-A, right? I'm sorry, I just made you hungry for God's chicken on a Sunday. That was very cruel of me. But anywhere they go, they're always closed on Sunday. The malls may be open, Chick-fil-A will be closed. Now, they, you know, that's part of their structure as a fast food restaurant. And they find that, that their teams last longer, their operators don't get divorces is nearly as high as everybody else in the fast food industry. There, there are just so many things that, because it is, the, the corporate culture is established around this principle of Sabbath, you see. And so God wanted his people to be different. When he bought, brought them out of bondage, he said, these are the days you're gonna work and this is the day you're gonna rest and these are the holidays and the festivals that I've set aside. And so God set this up in advance, not because, uh, not because there was something magical about it, but because the principle of Sabbath needs to be in our lives. You know, we can't function without it. We can't function without it. You, you defy uh, the, the created order when you function without rest for your body and for your soul. And so when we talk about this issue of Sabbath, very, very critical. In, you know, how many of you have ever tried to put a child down for a nap and they said, but I'm not tired. <laughs> I'm not sleepy. Right? And yet we do God the same way. Yeah, but I know you need a nap. God's saying, you need a rest. You need a nap. You need to take time. Well, I don't feel it. Don't defy the way God created us, right? We've got to walk in obedience to Jesus and live in this principle of rest. Um, so Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Here's, here's what I want to suggest to you about this principle of Sabbath. Everything in God brings you into rest. Going back to my message a couple weeks ago, when, when we're in Sabbath, we stop wanting, we stop worrying, we stop working, we stop thinking about work. All of those things have to do with us ex, uh, responding to desires that come from within us that say, oh, if it is to be, it's up to me. Or, uh, or we, we can't control everything, so we worry about it because we think that by worrying about it, we're changing it. Jesus said, you can't even change one color of your hair on your head. How do you expect to control the world by worrying, right? And, and so, so the, the reality is this principle of Sabbath causes us to move into the place where God can do a work on the inside of us and, and bring about the refreshing. Now, here's what I want you to understand about the principle of Sabbath and disobedience. You never sin in any way, shape, or form. This is a big statement, but I, I, I want you to I want you to check me on this. If I'm wrong, come and show me where I'm wrong. You never sin in any way of your life but that you didn't violate Sabbath first. 
Think about, think about that reality for a minute. If I'm at rest in God, then he satisfies my desires. If, I'm at, if, if my marriage is where it needs to be, God has provided for me sexually and I, I will want no one outside of that marriage, just my spouse. I'm at rest. I'm at peace. That's Sabbath in God. If, if I keep my body in check so that I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to get my comfort from food, uh, I've got my comfort in God, I've, I've learned to, uh, to order my body and get it exactly where it needs to be, then where I'm at in God, I won't, I won't be overeating. Uh, when, I, when I learn to trust God with my money, I, I realize that really God is my provider, not that extra three or four hours, 50 hours of overtime. God's my provider. So I won't shortchange my family by going out and working more because I feel like it all depends on me. You know, God help us, we do need to hustle, but then there's a, there's a point at which there's law of diminishing returns kicks in. You're worth less in those overtime hours than you were if you would go get some rest and spend time with your family and, and, and remember why you're working in the first place. What did you violate in each one of those? You violated Sabbath. You moved out of the place of rest in God and you said, I gotta fill in the gap with food or lust or greed or work or worry. And so you violate the principle of Sabbath to go do what you feel like you should do. And that's why God says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. I just want you to show I want you to see, God is saying, I want you to see what life can be like with me as your father, as your provider, as your deliverer, as your healer. How many of the maladies in our physical bodies are brought on by wrong ways of living that happened because we violated Sabbath? How many of our relationship maladies are brought on because we violated Sabbath. There was something stirring on the inside of us that never got at rest. We're restless in our souls, and, and that, that makes us restless in our relationships. And when we're restless in our relationships, guess what? Bad things happen. Bad things happen. So you never sin, except that you violate the principle of Sabbath first. And while the Jews were legalistic, about Sabbath. In other words, you need to do more of it. You need, to, you need to track more of what you're doing. Americans don't do it at all. We live on 24-7, seven days a week. Same old, same old. I'm on the world's clock because I've got internet time. I can buy anytime I wanna buy. I can sell anytime I wanna sell. And we don't rein ourselves in. So while the, while the Jews' legalism was the issue, with Americans' licentiousness is the issue. We want license to do more, not less. We just want to keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. And we celebrate that. But it's not sustainable. How many of you figured that out? Not sustainable. Workaholism, not sustainable. So what do we do? I know you were asking that. We're going to get to the end of this third string sermon in a minute. Number three, and this is, this is part of the review, retrace the rhythms of rest. Retrace the rhythms of, of rest. I, I went into this a little bit 
I thought I would spend a little time here. Distract daily. When does eternity enter, enter into your nine to five? Do you have a moment where you just connect with God? Where you, where you remember that you're the created and it's not, a, it's not all about what you can do, what you can perform. Do you have a moment in your day I, it's, it's so funny because our culture was like, oh, yeah, we take a smoke break. Why don't you take a praise break? Why don't you just go take a minute and spend some time praying in the Spirit? Pull out a scripture. Read that scripture. Get that word. Remind your soul that God is bigger than you. Remind your soul that it doesn't all rest on your shoulders, that there's a greater one right? Where does that happen in your nine to five or your eight to four or, or you're proud of it? You're saying, well, you only work half a day, 12, 12 hours. Because <laughs> there's 24 hours in a day, so we only work a half a day. <laughs> Withdraw weekly. Where are you when you lose track of time every seven days? What are you doing when, you, when, when e- eternity kisses time and, and it comes together in your life and you just... I know my place. I know my king. I know he's got everything. Yes. I, I, I know I can trust him. I know he's renewing my soul right now. I can feel it. I can feel the tide coming back into my heart. I can feel my soul. I can feel what, what God has for me. He, he's, the refreshing is coming. It's that, that the soil of your soul gets, uh, has to lie fallow for a time in order for you to get rejuvenated, and for, in order for you to get renewed. You gotta have those regular rhythms. Those are sacred rhythms. That's why God said keep it holy. He wasn't saying keep it holy uh, so that it could be legalistic. He was saying keep it holy. In other words, separate. Separate it from everything else that's common. Allow yourself to have some time where you're just remembering eternity, taking moments and and just launching out into that. When is that for you on a weekly basis? And then the last one is is abandoned annually. I was thankful that my team, uh, right after I preached this message, came in and a bunch of them came in with their their uh, year already mapped out for their vacation time. I'm like, yes, it's working. Plot those times away intentionally ahead of time and then work backwards into your calendar. A number of years ago, probably the first really good book I read on time management was Ordering Your Private World by Gordon McDonald. Anybody ever read Ordering Your Private World? Anybody in here? Whoa, y'all. It's so old that it's probably... You know, it's not in public domain, but I don't know if it's out of print, but you can find copies of it around there. 30, 30 plus years ago, I read that. One of the things Gordon McDonald says was that you seize time and command it when you seize it far in advance. How many of you ever been felt controlled by or constrained by time? How many of you ever, you, ever, you wake up and, and, and you realize, oh no, it's this week. like as if this week wasn't going to come a thousand years ago. But it caught you by surprise. Who knew that this week was going to come? Like your science project when you were a kid. It was on the syllabus. It was on the homework. It was on the calendar. But we don't 
think about it far enough ahead of time. So when you seize time and command it, you seize it far in advance, and then you work backwards into your daily schedule so that you can say, okay, uh, then you look ahead enough and you say, okay, I got everything I need, I'm situated, I'm right where I need to be, boom, and then you can walk into it feeling confident, feeling refreshed, feeling like it didn't, you didn't get caught behind the eight ball, right? Um, and so you, you know what you're supposed to be doing, you, you seize that time, and another, another one of... Uh, McDonald's laws of unseized time. I, I should have put this on my Amazon list and you all could have bought it from me. Um, but uh, another one of his uh, statements is unseized time surrenders to influential people in my life. So we'll find who the influencers are by those who seize time and command it far in advance and we'll find the people who didn't, their time got surrendered to somebody who's influential. Tracking with me? Because we choose to Sabbath. We choose to live according to those sacred rhythms that God has put in place. I was uh, reading a story the other day and it, I thought about this. There's, uh, remember, this is your life and this is eternity. Jesus said, I've given you eternal life. It's in my son. But what Sabbath does for us kind of reminds me of this story that I heard. There's this group of African slaves who are picking cotton. And they're right on the edge of the field. And the sun's coming up and it's getting really hot. And they're looking out there They've been working all week, you know, sun up to sundown. And they're gathered at the edge of the field and they're looking at this vast field of cotton that they've got to go out there and pick. About a dozen of them are standing there. And they're just looking at it, feeling really, really, really defeated. Anybody ever start your day feeling really defeated? Start your day like, I'm worn out. I don't have anything to put into this. <laughs> Number of uh, push pause on my story. Uh, me and me and uh, Ricky Blow did a half Iron Man duathlon. How many years ago was that, Ricky? Twenty uh, fourteen, something like that. It was back there. It was back there, and uh, long time ago. And uh, so let, let me tell you what that is. That is run a five k, bike fifty six miles, and run a half marathon. I ran the best five k I've ever run. I got on the bike and I did, it was okay. But I got off that bike and it hit me. I've got to run a half marathon. What was I smoking that got me here? <laughs> and me and Ricky, that was the hardest day we've ever had. I mean, I think that was probably, uh, it took us like eight hours, something like that to complete 70.7 miles. So the slaves get to the end of the field and they look out at this vast field of cotton and they're tired, they're discouraged, they're demoralized. How are we ever gonna pick this whole field of cotton? How are we gonna do it? We've got, we've got a quota, we've gotta do this, we've gotta get it all done, it's all gotta come in. And one of them was smart enough. He said, well, we don't have to pick the whole 
we don't have to pick the whole field. And he picked up a stick and he threw it and he said, let's just pick to the stick. Let's just pick to the stick. You see, when you come out of Sabbath and you've got a regular rhythm, then you don't have to live your whole life all at once. You can just live from the place of rest through the work to the place of rest. You, you pick to the stick. You, you just, you take eternity and you break it up into some sacred rhythms and you say, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet with Jesus and I'm gonna get my encouragement. I'm gonna get my strength. I'm gonna get what I need from him and in eternity is gonna recharge me. And then I'm gonna go after it. And then the, at the end of that time, no matter how I feel, doesn't matter. I'm going to power back down. I've picked to the stick and I'm going to take a break. And then I just fill up on it again, get some time with Jesus, get some time with my family, get some laughter. You know, one of the ways I can gauge whether or not people are doing well is how much laughter is in the house. How many times do we laugh together? How many times do we smile? How many times? If, if there's not humor in the house... Man, it's tough. Some of y'all, Jesus wants to bring joy back to your homes. Let the Lord of the Sabbath have his way. Find rest for your souls and let the joy come back. And then just pick to the stick. Do it again. Pick to the stick. Do it again. Let's stand this morning.